and welcome to the October 2010 edition of Ordinary Means. This is the podcast where we talk about God's ordinary means of grace and how God works in our life through things like preaching and prayer and the sacraments. And today, I'm here at the internet table with Matt Bowling, as always. Hi, Matt. Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. You know, I was just thinking before um, uh, before we got on online, you reminded me how uh, Scooby Doo would say this month. Um, how is that? How does Scooby Doo say October? Rock Rober. And and you have a son that you call Shaggy. Yes, my middle son. So number two of four um, uh, it eats voraciously anything anything in sight and. Uh, so we, we affectionately call him Shaggy because it seems that he's constantly eating. Well, I, I have, um, I just thinking about that concept of eating, I have down here in my notes that we're at the internet table, but when you see that on paper, it looks like internetable, <laughs> which is, which is web you can eat. <laughs> which of course took me to the Shaggy story, which took me to Scooby-Doo and, and yeah, Rock. And Rock, and Rock, Rock Rover. There you go. So we are we are officially. This is going to. Can we do a Scooby Doo themed podcast? I don't. I don't think so. Well, don't you think that that Scooby and Shaggy and Velma and the other two <laughs> that were always whatever their the, names are they were always off in the in the van. They never actually came in for the whole episode. They just showed up at the end as those mangy kids. Um, what were their names? Somebody somebody comment on the post to tell us what their names were. I should know this. I don't know this. Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell I can't. I can't think of them either. But don't you think that they had amongst themselves what we want for the church today and what we're going to talk about on this podcast? In a sense, yes. They, they had did. an identifiable sense of community. And community is exactly what we're going to talk about today. We believe that community is actually a means of grace. Uh, so you had a you had an assistant pastor at your church who yes. insisted that there were four means of grace. Well, four marks of the true four church. Four marks of the church. I'm N- sorry. Normally what you hear is you hear um, that if a church has solid preaching, right administration of the sacraments, and church discipline, that that's a good church to go to. And I had an assistant pastor who used to say this uh, all the time, and I, I've taken it as my own. Um, I say it now that you can have all three of those things. You can have good preaching, you can have the sacraments, you can um, even have prayer um, and church discipline and still have what we would call dead orthodoxy, mm-hmm. believing all the right things but not living a life that's marked by that belief, those, those beliefs in the right things. I was just uh, reading John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, uh, this is where Jesus says, uh, you don't know the Father because you're not of the Father, you're of the devil, uh, to the Jews that he's talking to. And these are Jews who, in verse 30 of John chapter 8, um, had come to believe in him. And John is constantly contrasting, um, you can't do this on online, but he's contrasting belief and belief. And it's, it's sort of belief that is true belief in Christ. And it's belief where, yes, I believe Christ and I believe Jesus, but 
but I don't actually believe in him as the Messiah in such a way that I become one with him and I become in Christ and it changes my life. And so in the same way, these are Jews in John chapter 8 who are at the feast of tabernacles because they're good Jews. They do mm-hmm. all the right things. They attend mm-hmm. to the... They to, believe the right things. They believe and the they right things. they do the right things, for, but they're not the right people. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a safe way to put it. I mean, I would say they don't necessarily believe all the right things because mm. it's in that chapter where... Uh, hold on, let me grab my notes here. Um, it, it's, it's in this chapter where he says... Um, you know, I'm the father sent me, and they said, "Well, who's your father? We, you know, who's your daddy? We know who our, we know who our daddy is. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Our daddy is Abraham. We're Abraham's descendants." And then what Jesus has said, "You shall, um, if you are truly disciples of mine, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." And they say, "Well, okay, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been enslaved to anybody." And and right there, I mean, if you're if you're listening, if you're thinking about it, you go, okay, hold on. What about Pharaoh? Uh, Wasn't that slavery? And then Mm -hmm. what about Rome? They're enslaved to Rome right now. Much less the level that Jesus was trying to work at, which was that they're enslaved to sin, apart from him. Exactly. And, And so it's not so much that they don't, that they believe the right things, but they're not doing the right things, they're confused about what they actually believe. Because well, and, be- you know, we could, we could go back to our old professor, John Frame. You know, it, someone can say, um, you know, I believe in total depravity, right, as a doctrine. Yeah. But unless they can apply it to themselves and own it for themselves, I am totally depraved. Yeah, this and is- I'm really actually pretty comfortable with that. Because I've got Jesus, and so I can be comfortable with being totally depraved. Um, because I've got Jesus, um, th- that's that's the difference. There's a lot of things that people say they believe, as it might apply to other people, but they're 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 talking. I just did the parable of the two lost sons last week. What's commonly called the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, the older son um, didn't believe that he was depraved. The older son knew it. The, older, or the younger son knew that he was depraved, but didn't think that he could be received back, or, or that the way to be received back was by penance. The older son didn't think he was depraved, but he believed all the right things, supposedly, just not that he was depraved. He might have thought other people were depraved, but not him. So on that level, I think you're right. You can believe it, but not believe it uh, about yourself in a way that it shapes you. Yeah, it's not. it, it isn't turning into... The best word I can think of is is action. It isn't it isn't flowing out of you. Um, you know, I, I think of um, I, I have an image from a horror movie in my head. You know, where there's this bright light and that that's shining on this victim, and the victim is so affected by this light that the victim begins to glow, almost you know like a Moses coming down from the mountaintop. Right, right. Maybe, maybe that's the good biblical illustration, is if we've truly met with God in his word, we will, we will have that glow. Mm-hmm. It's gospel makeup. Yeah. Somebody, somebody now, one of our, one of our, well, 
preferably one of our female, uh, one of our three female listeners can now start a makeup company called Gospel Makeup. It Gospel makes you, makeup. it makes you glow. <laughs> there you go. It's, um, it does the same thing. It's, it has the same, it reads little, the fine print on the container is same effects as pregnancy. You know, I don't. Um, so you're absolutely right. It's, you're you're talking about John Frame's uh, meaning equals application. I use that right. all the time because it's it's you don't understand something until you've applied it to your life. And so I don't. We could say just to stick with total depravity, just to yeah. apply what John just said. We could say that if somebody is not distinctly humbled by the gospel, that if they can't own both sides. Of, of Keller's little ditty that I that I continue to use that I am so flawed Jesus had to come for me no other hope but I'm so loved and and cherished by God um, that Jesus was glad to come for me that it, that if I can't own both of those equally strong and of course younger brothers and older brothers from the the parable of the two lost sons they have difficulty with different sides of that equation. Right, but if I can't own that, and it doesn't evidence forth in a genuine gospel humility to other people, I don't know total depravity. I don't know what it means because I haven't applied it to myself. I might look as an as an older brother, um, you know, in judgment on other people and say, "Oh, you're so depraved," but unless I can say, oh, "You're depraved like I am," I don't understand total depravity. I don't know its meaning. Because I haven't applied it to myself. See, I'm I'm glad you brought up humility, and I think even in what you just said, I think you nailed what we want to talk about today. Because I think humility is at the base. The reason we don't or a lack of humility is at the base why we don't have the kind of thriving Christian communities in our churches. Because as you just said. We stand in judgment of other people mm-hmm. rather than standing um, humbled in their presence. Mm. And we, saying, I need you. Yeah, I, we, I need community with you. I, I need it. Not you might need me, all proud, but I, I need you to, to gospel me. I need you to one another me or else I'm not going to make it uh, in the Christian life. Now, two two terms there you just used. Right. Uh, let me take the second one first. Okay. Um, one anothering. Yeah. If you know, we're not going to be able to cover everything in in forty five fifty minutes. Right. If you want to understand community, as God understands community, as Jesus established the church to be. You don't even you don't have to know Greek, you don't have to know Hebrew. Go to your English Bible and look up that phrase one another. And you will find hundreds if you're doing on on online, you're getting hundreds of hits for one another in the New Testament. Not um, hundreds, but a lot. It's pretty it's pretty close. I mean I've I've got a I've got my sheet here of uh, Do you, you, have an you and I, Sean and I both were mentored by a man who did an exhaustive study of the one another's, and I'm just looking to see if I have it somewhere in my hard drive. I, I have it here. It. I can put it up in PDF. 
That'd be great. Uh, okay, so we'll Davey, put a PDF up of a mentor of both Sean and I's yeah. when we were in seminary, a man whose second career is a missionary in, um, in Africa that we both learned an awful lot from, Dave Eby. Um, he did an exhaustive study of the one another commands, and we can, we can post that up there. If you've not done that before, it, it is really uh, striking when you see them all, uh, even overwhelming when you see them all together, oh, yeah. you're going to need to go back to the gospel after you do it because you're going to feel like, wow, I, I've hardly ever done this. And, and no one has hardly ever done this to me. And that's why we wanted to talk about what we're talking about today is that this is a great lack um, in, in our churches. And I think I, I'm wondering what the test would be. You know, often we talk about are we are we fellowshipping or are we socializing as a church? I'm wondering if today, uh, in our technological day and age, where so much of community has been replaced by the ability to to click on images. You know, I'm I I'm friends with somebody because I friended them on Facebook. I've um, right. you know I'm. I know how so and so is doing because I follow them on Twitter. Um, you know, I've I, you know, maybe some of you even think you're our friends because you listen to our podcast. To our podcast. Um, but and that's not. And I think that that is the thing we're going to have to watch. If there's one thing that we're going to need to watch, one thing that we need to be um, wary of with regard to technology in the coming years, it's 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 replacement of community. Or um, or let me let me give one more there. Either replacing community or it affects how we do actual community. To the point where yes. I'm not interacting the way God calls me to be interacting with others because I'm so used to being able to interact in this way that technology has taught me to interact. Yeah, I'm going to send you a link, Sean, that we'll also link up on the blog uh, of a Wall Street Journal article that I read this week um, that was linked by somebody else to me that was just absolutely devastating. It, to me, it was devastating because it, it sort of revealed my heart and even how my own um, community, my thoughts on community are distorted by technology. And of course, Neil Postman warned us of this in, in Technopoly. Um, but it, um, it it's pretty stunning. And, and you might look at it and you might go, oh, I'm not quite – I'm not there yet. I'm not quite that bad. But I was like, you know what? How does somebody get that bad? Uh, how does it How does it become something that, that we're um, – where we're so used to the virtual that we don't even know the real anymore? That That's when it becomes dangerous. There's It's as if there's a wool being pulled over our eyes. Right. And and it's and it's kind of scary. I mean, I love technology. You and I are both technology geeks, right? But at the same time, more and more, I'm seeing that I have to I have to pick and choose my technology. Yep. Uh, one book I just you and I were talking uh, earlier earlier this week. I recommended this book to you. I'm going to recommend it here. In fact, I would love to. I don't I don't even know if we can. I would love to get Marva Dawn to do an interview. Um, uh, she may well do it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, uh, let's let's look into it. Um, but she has a book. 
from what year is it from? You looked that up, yes, uh, earlier this week. 2002? 2003, I think. 2003. It's called Unfettered Hope. And the subtitle is, hold on, let me reach for it. Unfettered Hope, A Call to Faithful Living in an Affluent Society. And this is a marvelous book. This book will blow you away. Um, you know, one thing, <laughs> what I said to you, Matt, earlier this week, I said this is... Uh, I'm being blown blown away by this book written by a woman who preaches. Now she's <laughs> she is a Lutheran. She she fills the pulpit occasionally. I think as a speaker, um, she is uh, she's known as a theologian. Uh, but this is somebody. If you're familiar with Mike Horton, Mike Horton draws on her quite a bit. Um, I'd recommend any of her books. She's crazy given you know given that, but it's um, just blown away by this book, but one of the things this book focuses on is, in our affluent society, the role that technology plays mm. and the effect it has on community. Just just go get the book, pause the podcast, click over to Amazon, just order the book. You, just, you want to read it, trust me. Um, I, already, I already ordered my copy. I okay, to well, no, I was, talk, I was talking to our three listeners. <laughs> So yes, thank but it, you for it, it is until we can recover you know, we've spent I don't know how many years doing this podcast, but you know, we spent a lot of time in the realm of Acts two forty two and really in three of the items that are mentioned there. And if you will, I think that, that the interaction of community with the ordinary means, because you'll have people that go will go to Acts 2, um, good fr- friends of ours, um, uh, men that we respect. Um, some will go to Acts 2.42 and say, look, this is very clearly just a call to a Sunday kind of ministry for a church, uh, mostly in services and uh, mostly in formal worship services, and that's what our ministry should look like. And we have friends that, that say that and see nothing in Acts 2 that would lead them towards any kind of grouping outside of Sunday morning. Hey, let, me, let me read that. And then we have, uh, Acts 2.42, they were, this is following on Peter's sermon. This is their response. First, they're baptized, verse 42, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So there's our, there's our four means of grace there. Right. And so uh, I guess what we're, we're uh, humbly positioning for today um, is that fellowship is something that, in my opinion, a tiny bit of it can happen on a Sunday morning in the midst of a worship service. Um, but I have become convinced, and it's the particular way that we're leading our church right now, our leadership team is, um, you can't want another somebody on a Sunday morning in a service, or even not very much in in the hallway drinking coffee. Yeah, in two, three minutes before or after, that's that's not one anothering. That's not one anothering. Um, what to to actually one another somebody implies, it expects, it assumes that you actually live life together. Uh, to use Bonhoeffer's term and his book. Uh, it actually implies that there is a genuine friendship and life together that happens among people in a church that happens outside of Sunday. Uh, some of it perhaps in um, formal meetings, but some of it because 
these are the people I choose to spend time with. These are the people that I choose to bear with. These are the people that I choose to um, to love. Can I take um, it? Can I take it a step further and and say not only is it a life lived together, but it is a it is a shared life together, almost to the point of you do not. And, and see, this is where individualism, this modern idol of individualism, has has killed community. Yeah. Because I see myself as a as a single unit entity, you know, and I choose a church because I like the music or I choose a church because I like the preaching rather than I choose a church because here I my my gifts are so intertwined with the gifts of others that we share life together and I can't imagine my life not being a part of their life because our lives are all wrapped up together. Absolutely. Um, and, and and I think that's a good way to put it. And 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 that I want that. That I realize that the way that I'm the way that I'm tempted to fill my life with things, to fill the hole inside that can only be filled by a, a reconnection with God through Christ and a reconnection with people and community. That both of those things, because they're gospel things, I'm I'm naturally in my flesh. I'm averse to them. I'm allergic to them. So I want them and I don't want them at the same time. So I, I want to be connected to God because I feel alienated from Him, and so I know that I need Christ. But on the other hand, I want to maintain control. I, I want to act like I'm my own, not as though I've been bought with a price, and I'm not my own. And so I need it, but I don't want it. In a sense. And the same thing with community. I know I need people. I know I'm terribly lonely. I know that I was made for community. It's not good for a man to be alone or women. It's not good for any of us to be alone. We know we need that close community family feel with people. Uh, we know that's essential. When you read through Acts, it's all over the place. When you read through all the epistles, everywhere, there is this much stronger thing than most of us have ever seen going on. Um, and but we, But again, we're averse to it. And we'd rather fill it with you pick it. If you're a guy, maybe you fill it with video games or sports or work or something that you think will make you happy. If you're women, maybe you fill it with cooking or with activities or with your kids or with your girlfriends or uh, with staying in shape or, or whatever. But we all fill our life with something that we think will make us happy when the two things – that, that can bring that about, reconnecting with God because of, because of Christ, reconnecting with people on the basis of Christ. Those are the things that, that make life uh, truly satisfying and fulfilling. And it's what the people, and the, the reason that this is so hyper important for us to get is not just for us, but what about all the people around us that don't know Jesus? And they hunger for those same two things, to get reconnected with God and to get reconnected with people. And if they can't see it in the church, if they can't see it among a couple of families, if they can't see what we've come to call gospel community in action, uh, what at all sort of um, reason would they come to Christ or be interested in Christianity if we're not offering them something? John Piper talks about this. Why don't people, you know, to First Peter, uh, what is it, First Peter 5, um, you know, always be ready with the reason for the hope that you have. Set apart Christ as Lord. He says, why don't people ask us about our hope? This assumes that people are going to be asking you about your hope. And what Piper says is, it, 
must be that your hopes are no different than the people around you. I, I think that's precisely it. We look it, so much like the world. Uh, the church looks so much like the world, or it looks like, you know, a club that anybody in the world could belong to. Right. Right. Whereas it ought to be something, because we, we're Presbyterians, we, we believe in the covenant, that it, um, we, we believe that the gospel forms a community that would not happen apart from it. So we have in our community group at our church, uh, the, in the community group that I lead, uh, we have um, a set of grandparents whose um, grandkids uh, are the age of my kids. Now, the world doesn't put groups like that together. The world can't make sense of that if that's not a family. But the world comes in and says, now, why are these people friends? Why in the world would grandparents and people that are slightly older than their own kids, why would they be friends? Why would they be close? Why would they spend time together? The world doesn't see any reason for that. They don't see how that could even happen. But on a shared um, but because of the gospel, because of Christ, because of our common need of grace, because we want to one another each other, um, those people can be close. They can be friends. They can rely on each other. Uh, they can one another each other. And the world looks in and says, wait a second. Um, I've never seen something like that before. And that's precisely the reaction in Acts. And the reaction in the first several centuries of the church is that the pagan world looked inside and they said, We've never seen something like this before. And they hadn't, because they'd never seen the gospel worked deeply into people's lives and worked out through their lives. And they hadn't seen anything like it before, because it didn't exist. Do people have that reaction today to our churches, to when they come over to our house, to Christian families invite a non-believing family over? Do they come in and do they sense that there's something entirely different that runs these two families? Or are hopes the same? Or the way we conduct things is the same. We talk about the, you know, here we talk about the Mariners in Pittsburgh. You know, we talk about the Pirates or the, or the Stillers. And is it all the same as a conversation you'd have if it was two people that are in the world? Or is it really different? I don't know. That's the things we're wrestling with. Well, and this is, we don't pretend that this is easy. In fact, I think that we have... Thousands, well, uh, honestly, we have all of history working against us. Because what was the first sin? The first sin was a breaking of communion with God. So right there. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and aggrandizement of my independence. Yeah. 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 And so all of our, our selfish nature, um, all of our sin will work against this idea of community. Um. I think of, I long for, and you know what, I think at some point when somebody invents a time machine, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back to uh, Luther's Germany, mm. and I want to live in that community, and I want to, I just want to know what it was like to go to church every day, mm. to be in a community where you, you worked together, nobody, nobody drove off. Anywhere. I mean, as late as the invention of the telegraph, I think we've talked about this before, uh, when the telegraph was invented, 
you had uh, Henry David Thoreau was told we've we've come up with this method so somebody in Maine can talk to somebody in Texas and Thoreau's comment was and what would they have to talk about you know as yeah. as late as that you have this people were living in um closed off communities where there would be farming and everything you needed was within that community. So I'd like to go back to Luther's Germany, live there, see what it was like, or Calvin's Geneva, see what it was like to go to church every day. Every day the bell rang at the at the uh, the factory or wherever it was the guys worked, the mine, and um, and we all went off to church for the hour. Then we, you know, and when the hour was up, you you went back to your work mm-hmm. um, because you you lived together, you dwelt together. I think this is part of the desire of these guys who want us to go back to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, all this, the density helps with some of this. I think the dens- I think it does, but only if you're going to live in, like we have, uh, you and I have a friend, Sam DeSocio, who's planting a church in a, uh, in a, a poor community in, um, in Pittsburgh, downtown Pittsburgh. And, what he is doing is he is literally living in that community. Now, if you were to go and see where he lives, most of us were go. Most of the people in our churches were to go and see where he lives. That we would say, "No way, buddy! I'm never living there." Right. Um, and that's the problem, I think, because that's a lot. It's a lack of humility. We like mm-hmm. the suburbs. We're comfortable in the suburbs, and one of the reasons we're comfortable in the suburbs is because we don't have to face other people so much. Yep. We live very insulated lives, and we're very happy to do that. And and then we bring it to church. It, but we're the poorer for it. And we try and anesthetize ourselves with our pov- out of our poverty with other things, with Facebook that supposedly puts us in community with people. Right? Yeah, somebody and needs to have an advertisement for their church, something like, um, you know, disconnect with the wired world and reconnect with with your real family or something something along that, those lines. Feel free to use that, shape that, mold that into your church advertising, um, because I think that's the direction that the church is going to need to go in the next decade is... We are we are truly connected, and it just to uh, reassure our visitors, um, our listeners who have been listening to us for nigh on all these years. Um, how does this relate to the ordinary means? Is this an ordinary means thing? I thought you might be saying in the back of your mind. I thought an ordinary means thing meant that we really emphasize services of a certain style and things like that, and we're not diminishing any of what we've said in the past. What we're trying to say is that the ordinary means, even as we've put this, we've talked a little bit about the ordinary means in your personal life, that the ordinary means don't stop being the ordinary means when there isn't uh, an, you know, an ordained uh, pastor preaching the word. Uh, the word you in your reading chair is as much an ordinary means of grace as something else, um, as the preached word, uh, as the word read in services. Uh, so just bring that back to mind. Uh, the other thing, too, is the kind of community that we're talking about is not the community where you get together and you talk about the Mariners all the time. You might talk about the Mariners or the Pirates or whatever your team is. Um, and of course, the people that listen to us from San Diego actually have something to talk about if the Padres can win again. Um, but um, I think that, that these communities are the places where 
the ordinary means are done together, where we pray together, where we minister the word to each other together. Um, and that, that we take the ordinary means, we don't lose them on Sunday, certainly not, um, but we take them more personally, we take them more individually. We take our prayer requests from, um, you know, um, you know we have a, a man in our church um, who had a spell without work, like a lot of people, um, you know, and he'd, he'd give us a prayer request, you know, and it'd be kind of some, something like, you know, it's a little tense at home because money's really short. Okay, that's, I, that's good. I'm happy to pray for that. There's a huge difference, though, between that and me calling him on a cell phone as we're both going to work and asking him, how's it going today? And him saying, we had a fight this morning and I don't feel like being reconciled. Now, that's a different kind of prayer request. That's a much more living life together sort of prayer request. It's a lot more honest prayer request. And frankly, it's a lot more helpful prayer request. Um. And I feel a whole lot more useful praying for something really specific like that. But that's a level of disclosure, a level of community that only comes when people get the gospel. Because you can only share your weaknesses, you can only share your flaws. Um, if you're comfortable yourself with them, you're fighting against them by grace, by the power of the Spirit, because you get the gospel. And you're willing to say to, say to other people, I need you to help me get the gospel and apply it to my life, would you? That's what makes a community. Yeah, I think we've heard that phrase, preaching the gospel to yourself, but there is something in a true Christian community, true koinonia, where we are doing what you're saying, which is preaching the gospel to one another. When when uh, this man calls you and says, I, "I you know I just I don't want to be reconciled. I don't want to forgive her. We had a we had this fight." And and you say to him, "Did Christ die for your wife?" Mm. Mm-hmm. What are you and doing? You gospel you're, him. You're, yeah. yeah, you're you're gospeling him. Which I don't know that I told you earlier. I think gospeling one another sounds like goofing with one another, tickling one another. <laughs> no. <laughs> Comes yeah. to my mind. But the, but, the but point is that we, the, the idea is yeah, yeah, we become adept at recognizing when someone's struggling how they haven't applied the gospel to their life at that point. And we graciously say, you know what, apart from grace, I would probably be worse than you are at this. But but here's what God's taught me as I've as he's applied the gospel to my life and I to the struggles that I have with my wife. Um, he, here's what I've learned. And, and maybe this will be helpful to you. You know, and, and it's a, it's a humble, um, bringing someone back to the gospel and how it would apply in a, p- a particular situation. Hebrews 3. Mm-hmm. Exhort one another every day. Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, encouraging one another. 1 Thessalonians 4. Comfort one another with these words. First Thessalonians 5, encourage one another and build one another up. That's just four of these one another in commands. And yet that's, you see in every one of those phrases, I have a responsibility mm-hmm. to my fellow believers. Now, we still haven't defined community. We haven't honestly 
there hasn't been time to really nail down some hard definitions for this podcast. But uh, maybe we could we could say this. Uh, I think of Peter talking about us being living stones built mm-hmm. together into a spiritual temple. The church is not just the building. In fact, it isn't mm-hmm. the building. No. Nope. The church or something is, we do or a place that yep. we go. The church is the people. Mm-hmm. And so a local church, a local gathering in your community, uh, this is why I wish um, th- this is perhaps the great error of the megachurch, mm. is that they draw people from all over the place, mm. whereas it would, I, my gut tells me, it would be better, and this is why I think th- the megachurches that do it right end up with what you called community groups. Mm-hmm. Because you can't live in community with somebody who lives two hours from you. Right. You can live in community with somebody that's maybe 20 minutes from you. Although I would say in most places in America, 20 minutes is about is about the, the line. Most free places with good freeway access, 20 minutes... Maybe thirty is about the line, and so what we what we need to do, and I would encourage any of our listeners, if there is a sound Bible believing church near you, and you're driving an hour to go to a church to hear some famous person, humble yourself and consider moving to that church near you. What we need is a re-strengthening of the smaller churches. Because you know where, statistically, all those people in the megachurches come from? Yeah. It's not typically that it's newly converted pagans. Some of them are doing a very good job. Yeah. That's Some of them are. But normally, um, it's from the small churches. Right. And so, small churches in America are struggling today because this new style of worship... Um, okay, here's another ad for your church. We don't have stage lights. I don't know. I I think that that would inspire some people <laughs> to come to a church. I and you know nine, I'm not trying to be a, nine churches a day close in America. Nine churches wow. every day. And we're the, not trying uh, to be. The reason our church was is in mourning because the church that she grew up in in the area here closed recently. Wow. Are you, yeah. and, and Matt, you and I, you and I are not old fogies. Who are who just think we need to get back to the way it was? Um, that's that's not us. We're you know you and I we're very hip. <laughs> we we have hips. Yes, we indeed we do. <laughs> but we're, you know but we're not, we're not we're, I'm not against stage lights per se. But what do you know the 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 what is it the the method? What's the phrase I'm looking for? You know the what I want to say. The means is the method. Oh, uh, the medium is the message. The medium is the message. Thank you. Marshall McClure. Okay. So the medium is the message. And we have to ask, um, is the message community? (laughs) Is the message uh, in Christ and in one another? Mm. Or is the message come and have your individual spirit filled so that you can go live your individualistic life? Mm-hmm. Yep. And maybe or is it a call is the gospel a call not simply to individuals but to a people. Yeah. And it is. It's to all to nations, kingdom, tribes to and a tongues. King, to a kingdom of priests. 
uh, who are gathered and then sent back out to to be ministers of that kingdom, if you will, small m, ministers that can ambassadors of the king. Um, and so yeah, I mean it's it's uh, and it's you said earlier that it's costly, Sean. Uh, um, yes, I, I think that it is. I, I think that we're. Um, we are in a process, even this fall, with our own church of counting the cost of how costly it is, of what we, in order to have this genuine life together with each other, and then it's a life together that we also share with unbelievers, that we that we see that this community is something to share with people. Um, and that community being the context where the gospel is is lived out by people and even shared by people, it's ex, it's experienced through the lives of people, uh, through the, the lives of believers. A couple of families get together and have a barbecue, and they invite an unbelieving family that they know. Nothing complex or wiggy or weird, but just that we're genuine friends of sinners. Do we sit down and eat with them? Kind of like, um, yeah, that guy Jesus would have. Um, <laughs> and then. And we're we, but we don't see much of that in in churches, um, because it's costly. It's a lot more costly for me to choose to go to a gym um, where I do what I want to, but it's but it's also a prime way that I meet unbelievers. It's costly for me to think about that I'm not going to have a games night with my kids after dinner. Um, because I'm going to have a um, a couple of unbelievers there with us for dinner. Well, even and, even Matt, how about having a couple of believers in my church there for dinner? See, oh, I yeah. think I think oh, we've yeah. gotten to the point where not only are we not engaging with unbelievers around us, but I don't think we're engaging with the believers either. Right. Right. Now, I, you you just said something, and we're about at time. I want to I want to pick okay. up on this point, and let's go, let's go out with this point because okay. this brings us full circle. We started talking okay. about well, we started talking about Scooby Doo, but we then we got to humility, and you just made the point again that we're friends of sinners. Mm-hmm. Okay, do I see myself as a sinner? Do I really believe that I'm I'm messed up? I am so faulty. You know, I'm so faulty that when I get into a, an argument with my wife, I assume I did something wrong. Okay. Am I am I am I do I really but see I think that at the base of so much of American Christianity is self-righteousness. Mhm. Oh, we're very good at making older brothers. Yeah. Very good. And so, and I think, honestly, look at, when you look at the two brothers in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, which one do you want to hang out with? I'm just on a visceral gut level. Which one do you want to hang out with? The one that you know is going to judge you and talk about you to his father behind your back? Or are you going to want to hang out with the one who's seen his sin, knows his sin, and because he knows he's been set free, he's having the time of his life. Absolutely. You're, you want to hang out with him, don't you? And I think yeah. that is, that's what we've got to get, is true joy comes through humility. True joy is not going to come by sitting back and being judgmental, 
cloistered away. Not even, see, we used to talk about the Christian bubble. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure that exists anymore. Maybe it does. But mm. I think it's changed to an individualistic bubble that it's mm. every Christian for himself. Mm. And mm. this is, it's the way our culture is going. And if we want community, and why don't we do this, Matt? Let's talk, let's keep going. Let's talk about community um, again in November, because I think this is a huge yeah. issue. Both you and I are passionate about this. You and I are both uh, striving within the context of our churches to um, to break free of some of these sins and some of these molds that we that the church has fallen into, and and find ways to really light that spark that leads to um, godly Christian community. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep talking about this, but I think really where we want to leave you is striving after humility. By grace. By grace, through yep. through the ordinary means. And as we do that, that's the thing where we go, wow, I need to, Jesus says in John 8, he says, you are truly disciples of mine if you continue in my word. Mm. And it's when we are continuing in his word that we see, you know what, he's called me not just to be me and have my faith. <laughs> you know, you have your faith, I have my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's called me to hold to the faith in a community. And to do it together. And to yeah, do it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It isn't, there, there's only one faith. There's not my faith and your faith and his faith and her faith. There is one faith, and, and if we're not holding to that faith, our faith is a lie. Mm. Mm. Uh, even as these guys in, in John 8 said, um, hey, we, you know, we, we believe, and yet Jesus said, no, no you don't, because if you did believe, you would do what, you'd follow my word. Right, right. So, well, may the Lord richly bless you. In the coming month, I, I encourage you to think about these things. Uh, in fact, I encourage you to get together with fellow Christians and talk and about talk these. about it. Talk, listen to the podcast together and um, put it on the speakers. Listen to it together. Ask yourself the question, yourselves the, the question, are we striving after this kind of Christian community. And we'll be back next month to talk to you more about it. May the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means. 